Now it's time to get all set for Sunday with your hosts, Scott Williams and Jeff Trailer. Welcome to All Set for Sunday, a podcast for busy and distracted Catholics to be a little more prepared for Sunday Mass. My name is Scott Williams. My co-host is Jeff Trailer. How are you, Jeff? I'm wonderful, Scott. I'm wonderful. I'm excited to be recording the podcast. This is always one of my favorite parts of the week. Oh, that's sweet. Not because of you. Don't don't feel that good. Oh, man. <laughs> you had me going for a second. Our, our guest today is Father Patrick Hyde. Father Patrick, how are you today? I'm wonderful, guys. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, it's thanks for showing up on time, Father. This yeah, is great. Happy to be here on time, prepared, ready to go this week. Were you were you the uh the one that we talked with last time about when it becomes you, when you become a friend of the podcast? Yes, that was very much a, a theme of our last discussion. <laughs> you I'm still waiting for that. I'm still waiting for that moniker to be attached, but you can't force it. I think we declared it at six, and you've moved past casual acquaintance. Yeah, uh, Father, Father Peter Marshall was declared as our friend in the in the advertising a week or so ago. So I don't oh, know. Wait, this is so exciting because this means you're following us on social media. Ah, you, Father. I'm, keeping tabs. I'm keeping tabs of what the other priests are getting in terms of their, how they're uh, you know discussed and referred to. So the ranking. <laughs> wow. All right. Okay, so you, what are the letters after you're Dominican? Mm-hmm. So it's Father Patrick Hyde, comma, OP, OP, OP. Um, so you're down with OP. I am. Then we could put like FOP after that, friend of podcast. Yeah, when, I, when that time comes. I have enough letters after my name right now, so yeah, like keep, keep adding them. What's what, what is what the, are what are all of your letters for all your degrees? Um, well, my degrees, I guess, I, I mean, I have a bachelor's, I have a BA, and I have a master's of arts, an MA, and an MDiv, Master of Divinity, and then ecclesiastical lettering, I have the OP, because I am a vowed religious Dominican, and then I'm also currently the uh, the vicar foreign, the dean. So you get VF. So I get VF, so and your academic and ecclesiastical titles galore. Doesn't this also make you a very reverend? It does. Oh, the very Reverend the Father The very Patrick. Reverend Father Patrick Hyde. Yes, yes. Is he, are you the first very, I think you might be the, the first very Reverend we've had on the podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, well, I don't know. I don't know uh, who has all been on there, but. I uh, think you're right. I'm trying to think of who all the other deans are right now. Um, have you had Father Tony Hollowell on? We have not. Uh, no. Okay. He's one of the other younger guys who's a, who's a dean right now. Next oh, week we're going to have. have on? Can we give a can we give a little preview to next week? Ooh, are you ready for the teaser? We're gonna have the most reverend. Wow! Right? Is it, that's the, what bishop, it, the archbishop? The archbishop, yeah. Yeah, yeah he's the most reverend. All right. Well, uh, let's do the two minute trial now that we've gotten <laughs> yeah, all of that. I just this is very reverend so long as I have the office. He's the most reverend forever. So we uh, <laughs> successor he, to the apostles. That's pretty awesome. Yeah, and this and this was just so that we can make a point that you're still not a friend of the podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> you're very reverend, uh, not not yeah, quite not show. quite FOP yet. Meh. <laughs> you're meh of the podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'll, take it. I'll take it. All right, uh, Jeff, two minute drill. Let's get into it. All right, uh, we're in the third Sunday in ordinary time, and this is this set of readings was something it was something uh a tricky one for sure 
So we start off first reading from Jonah chapter three. I think this might be our first time on the podcast that we've dipped into Jonah. Uh, Jonah chapter three. And all I can think of when I see this is uh, like Jonah and the whale. And that was not what the reading was, but I was that was really hoping and I was really excited. But that's all I really know about Jonah, because as we've established very much on this podcast, I'm dumb. But in as far as I could tell in this reading, uh, the Lord says to Jonah, go let everybody in Nineveh know, repent or else. And then they did. And so, like, he says, you better figure this out. You better stop what you're doing. Start behaving better. Turn away from sin. And they did it. And so he he did not follow through and crush them and destroy them. So uh, it's always nice. And it's a good reminder that we must repent and turn towards the Gospels, even though there wasn't a Gospel then. Response to Psalm, Psalm 25, teach me your ways, O Lord, uh, which in itself is kind of the the process for which we repent and turn away is teach me your ways, O Lord, follow those ways. And we don't have to worry about uh, where we're going if we follow the ways of the Lord. Second reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Man, it's only three sentences long. I got excited when I saw this. I was like, all right, three sentences. Here we've been doing these runs of like three different optional readings, and I've been doing them all. These three sentences were harder to figure out than any set of readings that we have had up to this point, here's what I took away. I feel, from these I feel like that's a good summary of the readings. We don't know what it says. Yeah. No, <laughs> this is what I took away is uh, fake it till you make it. Because uh, it's basically saying if you're doing one thing, act like you're not doing that thing. So, like, if you're weeping, act as if you're not weeping. If you're rejoicing, act as if you're not rejoicing. Um, I can't quite figure out why, but that's why we bring on the very reverend guest that we have so that he can tell us what it means. So sorry, everybody quite disappointing this week. Um, me, not the readings. I'm going to, I'm going to trust the scriptures as divine, just the presenter as moronic. All right. And then the gospel reading Mark chapter one, 14 to 20. After John had been arrested, Jesus came to Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God. This is the time of fulfillment. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. As he passed by the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew casting their nets into the sea. They were fishermen. Jesus said to them, come after me and I will make you fishers of men. They abandoned their nets and followed him. He walked a little further and saw James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother John. They too were in a boat mending their nets. Then he called them. So they left their father Zebedee in the boat and along with the hired men followed him. Awesome. So I have not, I've been getting so much out of this podcast recently because I think the very reason that we did it is, uh, you know, we want to help people that are distracted. And I've just been in the narthex with our two-year-old more than ever uh, in the history of, of his lifespan recently. So being able to put the the context of all of the different readings together has been helpful. And I think this week might be no different, but I'm excited. Father Patrick, can you one, uh, set the record straight for anything Jeff got wrong and uh, two, give us a little insight on what you're preaching about this weekend. I feel like we're going to need a sub podcast on what I messed up in the review of the readings. I mean, you know, I, I don't want to insult the man, so I'm trying not. I'm trying. I'm trying to be gracious. <laughs> no, go ahead. Just let the it last go. line of the second, uh, the first reading from First Corinthians. 
for the world in its present form is passing away, right? Uh, that St. Paul is challenging us to recognize that we live for another world. We live for something beyond ourselves, right? We have to frame ourselves and we have to put ourselves in that frame of mind, right? That what I'm striving for is heaven. What I desire is salvation. And I want to lead other people to that. I want to walk with other people to that. And so we all know, obviously, this last year in particular has been a burden and a challenge for all of us. But this is preparation uh, for those things that are to come, whether it be a time of ease or a time of difficulty, our focus should always be not on the things that we have in this world, but on the things that we are promised in the world to come. So that would just be my my short summary of the second reading. Um, but I mean, but, that for, the second line of the second reading says, let those having wives act as not having them. I don't think that's very good advice for me, Father. Like I'm going to get in trouble if that probably not in your relationship, right? But like I think this, you know, and this is the challenge of what does it mean to you? Know, like, what is what is a relationship? Like a, a good earthly relationship is where you know the husband and wife are the primary priority of the others. At least that's what we hear, right? Uh, but ultimately, a good husband and a good wife are a good husband and a good wife because they live first and foremost for the Lord, right? And so. When we, you know, act as if not having, that means, okay, put God first. And then all of those other realities you have, your job, your relationships, all of that will be lifted up to that level. Right? You, you know, the, my spiritual director, when I was in formation, he would say, you know, the Lord always sets a bar for us. And he is ultimately the judge or the, the comparison by which we will judge all of our our lives and we get close to hitting that bar that he sets for us and then he raises it again right uh, and that's what the lord is challenging us to is to, to you know even if you're in that beautiful and wonderful and unholy marriage it's keep setting that bar ever higher and following after the perfection that the lord calls you to now clarifying question i go. also go stumbled over over this section and i went and i read the the header of this particular um, in context with the rest of it is advice to virgins and widows. Mm -hmm. So is, does that provide more context? Like, should we, is that, what do we take away from that? Well, I mean, we're kind of trotting through here because last week we had St. Paul's, you know, or just this last Sunday, we had, uh, you know, avoid immorality that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit, right? Mm -hmm. And so what St. Paul is, you know, and remember Corinth is a is a, sea, is a port town and throughout all of human history, port towns have traded in the flesh. And um, so he's calling people beyond that. He's calling people to strive after uh, that which is that which is higher, right? Um, you know, at points he's, he does say, right, like if, if you don't have a husband or a wife, strive after that perfection thing. But there's nothing wrong with having that husband or that wife. Right. But um, what we can allow ourselves to do is get so caught up in these worldly things that we become a bad husband or a bad wife or a bad friend mm -hmm. because we're pursuing the things that bring us power, honor, pleasure, or wealth, not the things that make us holy and make the people in our lives holy. And so, you know. Um, you know, he he even says this just before, you know, in First Corinthians seven ten that a wife must not separate from her husband. So he's not saying you know go away, you know, or anything like that, or you know, and don't get divorced. But he's saying you know, strive after uh, the higher good within marriage. Don't just settle. And we can in relationships, even good you know relationships at times, we can settle for the lower goods. You know, because it's easy to fall into those things. It's easy to 
to fall into relationships where you make each other laugh or, you know, and those are good things, you know, but if that's the depth of your relationship and you're not being vulnerable and opening your hearts more and more to each other and to the Lord, if you're growing apart, in fact, you know, that's, you're not, you know, that's the, that's where St. Paul is trying to come in and say, Hey, strive after those things that are eternal. And then these earthly things that you have will be given greater meaning and depth. Awesome. Are we still on the part where we're correcting Jeff or we've moved on to the preaching part? Yeah, I like to see all of this as one great correction of Jeff, if not in his interpretation of scripture, at least hopefully in his life as a disciple of Christ. You know? Well, I will always take fraternal correction, my brother. <laughs> so please bring it on. I'm in need of that. I have three brothers, so I feel like any conversation I have is always some sort of correction of one of my one of my brothers or one of my friends. I can vouch for that because I've heard Father Patrick correct his brother in a homily in front of a school that his brother taught at, and it was quite entertaining. <laughs> yeah, I threw him under the bus on that one, I, yeah. and I didn't regret it at all. <laughs> the homily, you know, it's jokes and stories and those kinds of things, they have to fit into what you're trying to say, not... You don't just make them to make them. So <laughs> that was a good caveat to throw in there for all of our priest listeners. That don't make <laughs> all right, perfect. Well, what are you what are you preaching on this weekend? Have you thought about it? Well, kind of two things for me that really popped out. Uh, the first one is just in general, right? This is Jesus is you know stepping into ministry in the Gospel of Mark, right? And one of the first thing our, our blessed Lord says, you know, repent and believe, and then He calls people to that life. And so I think, um, you know, I look at, you know, just this, we're recording on Tuesday this week, there'll be an inauguration of a new president. And for some people, that's the greatest thing for other people that are very angry. You know, we live in a time of just tension and division and difficulty. And we see the great work, regardless of where you are politically or ideologically, there's great work ahead of us. Uh, there's great need for each and every one of us to contribute in a meaningful way to the building up of the common good, right? There's all sorts of issues that we face, injustice, environmental issues, you name it. Um, but ultimately, and I think this is the great challenge for each of us as Christians, is that the biggest problem in the world is not those big issues, but, and this is both the intimacy with which God loves us, but also uh, the universality of the call to holiness, is that the biggest obstacle to the world being a better place is me sinning and not turning away and not repenting from that, right? Mm-hmm. We've taught, you know, like, let's look at environmental issues. There are issues that we need to face in the environment wherever you fall on the political or ideological spectrum. You know, we need to, as Christians, we're called to care for creation. Now, good men and women of, of good faith might come to different prudential decision-making on that. But what we should all agree on is that the pollutant of sin has no place in our lives or in our hearts, right? But until... The pollutant of sin... Until we see it as a both end, I need to drive out all of these things in my heart that keep me from God, that keep me from loving God and loving my neighbor fully, then our interactions with our friends, our interactions in the world will always be imperfect or even worse, will be motivated by sin. Um, And so when Jesus steps into that ministry, you know, repent and believe. The the Greek word there that's translated as repent is metanoiate, um, which really means like to have a change of mind. And so it's a reminder to also to us that it's not just recognizing that I have sinned, because that's easy enough, but also submitting and opening my heart and my mind to being changed, to seeing sin as it truly is. 
And this is perhaps the great conversion, especially as a Dominican and as a follower of St. Thomas Aquinas' thought that goes on in the conversion, right? Is because to paraphrase St. Thomas quite broadly here, sin makes you stupid. Um, and we know this from experience, right? We can know, like, because mom and dad. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I use that loosely. We're still, we're still correcting me, right? Still correcting Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> but makes. <laughs> put it on a pillow. Let's go. But think about that. Like, we've all been there where we've done something that we know is wrong, and we do it, and then we realize, well, that wasn't so bad. That wasn't the worst thing in the world. You know, hellfire and brimstone didn't come down. I wasn't, you know, consumed into the fires of hell. So now all of a sudden we think, well, that thing that we know is bad, well, that's not really bad. And now our minds are changed to think what is evil is good when it's not. And so that repentance is changing my mind. It's it's understanding and, and opening my heart and my mind to hearing and thinking as God himself thinks, right? To see things as they truly are, not as, as I wish them to be. And so that first step in the Christian life is that decision on my part to open my heart to how Jesus thinks and teaches and to, to open my mind to being changed so that when I go into the world, it's not, you know, Patrick that they see, but Jesus. And that, that's what that repentance, you know, that change takes on is those, those things, those vanity, those prides, those things that those egoistical thing, egotistical things that I do in my life. When I repent, those things are stripped away so that when I speak to someone and they're loved and known. It's because Jesus is more and more uh, in in my life and in my heart and therefore in my relationships. So that's kind of the first idea that I've been kicking around uh, in terms of preaching for this week. That's so, oh, it seems like you haven't really thought about it much. (laughs) (laughs) That's so good. That's so good. I, I just spent last week, I was with a group of high school students on a retreat and I spoke to them about this exact concept, this exact idea of God's love is perfection. God's love is perfect for us. And he desires nothing more to just fill us fully and completely with his love. And, but I was hung up on and stuck on and like talked a lot about, and I did it because you, Father Patrick had tweeted this quote and it was just sticking in my head from John the Baptist of he must increase, I must decrease. And that idea that like that perfect love is trying to fill us up but the only way it can fill us even more is if we make the choice to remove the impediments that don't, that don't allow it in yeah. to create more space for God's perfect love. And so it's funny that like I talked about you when I was talking about this, cause you had tweeted that and it was just stuck in my brain. It was just hanging in my mind. And I, I'm very much like that. I get these things stuck in my head, and, but I love it because it becomes a part of my prayer life and it becomes a, a huge part of my reflection when I see those things, but that's funny that you said that. And I'm glad that we had not done this first because then I just would have played what you just said and been like, there's, there's what I was going to say way better. All right. But like to to your point though, Jeff, like that's the, the first apostles, they hear that. And what do they do? They abandon their nets. They decide to change everything at a moment's notice. Right. And, Mm. and if, you know, to kind of go into like the second thing is like Jonah, right. The Ninevites are pagans, right? This Nineveh is modern day Iraq, right? This is this was not Jewish territory, right? And so they were they were pagans, and yet when they hear Jonah uh, saying repent, they put on sackcloth and ash, they repent. 
The book of Jonah, I would encourage everyone to read. It's only four chapters long. Um, it's very short. It's one story. But, you know, this is the kind of the other part of this is what does that conversion look like? And in that book, of, we see two types of conversion. God speaks to Jonah directly and says, go do this. Go preach repentance and conversion to the Ninevites. And Jonah says, not going to do it. And actually tries to like flee, tries to get, you know, gets actually gets. And this is how he ends up in the belly of the, the, the fish, right? Is that he's go, gets on the ship to go to another country. And there's a storm that comes and they throw him off the, the, the boat because he's the one who brought him bad luck. And he's swallowed up by this fish and they praise this thing. But we see oftentimes in our life, and this is kind of what does conversion look like? The second point, perhaps, of my homily or what I'm thinking about is for those of us who know the Lord and are comfortable with our life, conversion is going to be brutal because we're addicted to our comfort. Jonah gets this call and he's like, nah, no, 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 I want to be comfortable. I don't want to have to travel to a foreign country and perhaps be put to death. I don't want to have to do those things. He knows the Lord. He's heard his voice. Now, eventually he relents and does the Lord's will. And then he has this incredible response, which, of course, he doesn't like because his friends didn't respond, but the pagans do. But it's also a reminder to us, too, it's that those people who are struggling, who are at rock bottom, who have, in a sense, lost everything, it's it's not necessarily easier, but it's a more natural response to God's grace to have a radical conversion. Perhaps the apostles in, in the, were so desperately looking for the Messiah that when Jesus came in, they were willing to go immediately. But the story of our conversion, especially those of us who are cradle Catholics, and we see this in our lives, is, is a grind because we have to get away from the addictions that we have. And this is what repentance and conversion is, that turning with and turning with God away from sin when it, sin is ingrained in our hearts and in our lives, it's hard to do. That conversion can be very brutal and very difficult. It can take time to heal when we make that conversion, right? And I, I know a lot of that in college ministry is that we have these young people who for a couple of years don't live for the Lord. And then when they come to realize God's love, they also realize the pain that's in their heart and in their lives from the things that they did when they weren't seeking the Lord. And so that conversion is a much more drawn out process. What? Uh, go ahead. What advice would you have for someone that's been, I mean, say, lifelong Catholic, but hasn't been to confession in fifteen years, and is filled with anxiety and worry and fear about showing up? Well, I would say two things, and I would always say this to any Catholic: is that if you're if you're looking to make that next step, you're, and you don't know what to do. Find the holiest or the best person in your parish who's not the priest. It can be the little old lady who's there at daily mass every day praying her rosary. It can be your best friend. Find somebody who is simply a little further ahead on the road to conversion or new life in Christ and ask him or her to show you the way. We need we need people in the right? – Jesus calls Peter and Andrew, James and John, right? They go together to the Lord. And we see this in John's gospel too, right? That Andrew comes and gets Peter. We see that Philip and Bartholomew, yeah, uh, Bartholomew and, um, and Jude, right? Uh, you know, Thaddeus and, you know, the, he sees him under the tree and there's this, you know, there's always that, that dynamism. So we need that help. So that would be my first thing is, and then ask that person, how do you go you to forgot, the You forgot Jeff and Scott. Jeff and Scott. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. But like, we need that friendship. But then the second thing would be like, don't, be afraid to set up a time to talk with the priest. Sometimes, you know, I'm blessed here that I have two associate pastors and we have a lot of confession times available. 
you know, if it's been a long time, you know, don't be afraid to ask and say, Hey, it's been, or when you kneel down, it's been this long and I'm not exactly sure where to begin, but um, you know, the, the challenge of repentance. And I, I see this unfortunately a lot is that when we repent, we have to, for it to be a true and authentic repentance and conversion, we have to repent for everything. Um, and there's, especially as a priest, there's, there's a great pain that comes when someone is seeking repentance in one area of his or her life, but doesn't want repentance in another area of life, you know, and this is especially the case with sins against chastity and sobriety. Yeah. You know, I recognize I did something that was wrong, but I don't have any, you know, I'm probably going to do it again. Okay. Well, that's really not what we're talking about here. Right. Mm. And so just, just recognizing that the, that, and then that can be a hard part too. And I think that's why it's important to talk with a friend. What does repentance look like? What is, you know, those kinds of things. Years ago, I can remember my dad asking me when I wasn't even a priest yet, but a Dominican at the time studying to be a priest. And he's like, how do I go to confession? Like every time I go, I feel like the little boy making his first confession. And I don't know what to say. And to those of you who are going to confession, you know, at least somewhat regularly, at least a few times a year, the best way to get better at something is to go regularly, do it again and again and again. Yeah, practice. Practice. We all need it. Um, as the psalmist says, even the good person sins seven times a week. Or seven times a day, excuse me. It's I, I always use the example with students when they're when we talk about this of mother, you know, Mother Teresa used to go to confession twice a week for like two hours at a time. And like she was literally a saint walking this earth, but she also struggled and she also sinned and she also struggled to repent. And so I have always found that as like a beautiful comparison and a reminder to myself. I am a person who, I mean, it's the nature of confession. I love walking out of confession. <laughs> and I hate walking into confession because I have to be faced with like what a bad person I am and like the, the things I've done and knowing and faced with them to God. It's the same way as like telling my wife when I've done something that will hurt her or my kids or like my friends, like just it, it's, it's a similar feeling, but it's such a bigger level. So like, I hate confession, but I need it. I need it and I desire it and I seek it, but it doesn't make it comfortable. I don't know if that's right. Yeah, I think that's the, the, one of the, I, I recently read a book about a young woman's conversion and, and she talks about how she and her brother had a really difficult conversation where he really called her out on some sin in her life. And she's like, well, you do all of these other sins. And he's like, yeah, I know. I'm aware, very much aware of those things. But he's like, I'm striving to get those out of my life. Are you? And I, that's the challenge in our life is, you know, are we really striving to, first of all, conform our mind and hearts to the heart and mind of Christ and his church? And then are we trying to change our life so that we can live? I know in my own life, the the, the big step in my conversion that really kind of just it changed everything. It's really what led to me thinking about priesthood to like actually being, I cannot help but do anything but this, was the conversion of mind and saying, I'm going to live and as if the teachings of the church are true. Not because I'm afraid of punishment, because I, but because I'm, I believe that they may actually lead me to flourishing. Hmm. That those things... Those teachings may be the thing that takes me from where I am to where I want to be. Whereas my whole life, you know, growing up Catholic, Catholic grade school, Catholic high school, I was involved with my campus ministry in college. I still always had kind of the sneaking suspicion, like they're just trying to oppress us. They just don't want us to have fun. 
or like, you know, like I, or whatever, or even, you know, we can even think in the kind of the opposite direction. Well, I can just do this and go to confession, right? Um, you know, no harm done one, you know, it just, it'll, it'll even itself out. And really what the Lord wants is that, that total gift of self. And it's beautiful when we see it in our own life and we see it in the lives of our friends and family, when that life all of a sudden becomes totally given for someone or something else, which is always Jesus. And it's, and it's where we can find the greatest joy. Uh Like we, you said something, you said it interestingly there because like I may, they just don't want us to have fun. And like those things may bring us fun and excitement and immediate pleasures, but not joy. And like joy is found in the truth. Joy is found in, in that, that genuine relationship with Jesus Christ, that seeking of that perfect love and opening ourselves to that perfect love and turning away from those things that keep us from it. And I'm not saying that is my life every single day, but there, but I've, for me, I've had those moments. I've, I've been there and I, and I strive to be there. And I, and in some ways I crave it. I crave those feelings and getting back to that and doing what I need to, to draw me to that for my family, for my wife, because in, in that perfect service to the Lord, I can, I can find that joy. Father Patrick, this question uh, dances the line between dumb question and, and good question. I'm not sure where it lies, but I think maybe we'll, well know. Scott, I always find your questions to be insightful, riveting. Oh, gosh. <laughs> really, really just the highbrow stuff. <laughs> so uh, I, I kind of just, I try to imagine what this scene is like in the gospel where, you know, Jesus is, you know, passes the Sea of Galilee. He's like, Simon, come on. You know, like inviting these people to come. Is he choosing these people specifically or are these people just happening to be around Jesus at the time? Did they become the apostles by proximity or chosen by Christ individually? And that being there, Scott, geez. What? I said he wasn't well, I mean, there. You know, it's kind of, uh, Scott, it's kind of like, you know, people will ask, like, who who is my one and only, you know, with regards to marriage or something like that. And I, you know, Father Mike Schmitz had a line at one of the focus conferences years ago. He's like, the one and only is the person who has the ring on the left ring finger that you put on there in the presence of uh, of Christ in his church. That's your one and only, right? And that's how you know, right? It's not to say, you know, some sometimes I think we can get so caught up in the, certainly it's willed by God. Wouldn't it be nothing is that isn't willed by God? There's there's nothing. It's not possible for anything to exist that isn't willed by God. Um, I know it's a but, stupid question, but like at the end, it says, so they left their father's Zebedee in the boat along with the hired men and followed him. Well, why didn't they go with Jesus? We, we don't know. I mean, like, you know, why are the three of us sitting here talking about Jesus and all of our friends and family who have left the church not talking about Jesus? Right. Like the Lord calls and we respond. When, you know, and this is the beauty is that the, the Lord is constantly seeking after us, right? You know, there's a, I can't remember off the top of my head, but in the Henry Nowen's book, Father Henry Nowen's book, The Return of the Prodigal Son, right? There's this great line in there where he's like, do you really believe that you, that God loves you so much that all he wants to do is to spend time with you, to be with you, right? And like, we, we tend not to believe that, but then there's a moment, God willing, in our life where we do realize that and it changes everything. And, you know, it, it just depends, right? Like Jonah wasn't ready to hear God's word 
you know, sometimes we hear it and sometimes it's in that whole process, the Lord, but the Lord speaks at that moment because he knows, because he's omniscient. He knows if he speaks at that moment, it's going to lead to that conversion. Whereas in some other hearts, he speaks at different times and in different ways, right? We, you know, we, we believe in that that's the beauty of God's presence is that he comes into our own life, right? Like I love saying mass and, you know, one of the great things at mass is like, you're at Holy Communion. Some people will walk up and they'll they'll approach Holy Communion as if it's you know like they're in line to get a you know a, you know a, a piece of bread. Other people will come up with tears in their eyes, beaming, right? And so it's just the Lord speaks to us, and where our hearts are is kind of and this is like the thing, right? Is when our hearts are open to love, and when we're living a virtuous life, we're more malleable, we're more susceptible when the full presence of grace comes into our life. Hmm. I think it's, you talked earlier about uh, that. You said the phrase addicted to comfort. And I wrote it down because I think it is so true that like sometimes the more comfortable we get and the more confident we are, the harder those conversion moments are. But I think we see that in a really cool way here with James and John, because with like nothing could be more comfortable to them than like mending nets and fishing if like that was their father's boat and that's what he had done. And that's how they were raised. And like they had the family business was there. That's what they would do. And that's what like, nothing was more comfortable than that. And then they throw the, they drop their nets and they walk away. And like, I just think that's a beautiful analogy of, of what you were talking about there of like getting out of the comfort and into where, you know, Christ pushes us to be a little uncomfortable. Yeah. I think it's like in faith life, it's in, family life it's in business i mean like i'm thinking like in my business when i start to get comfortable then there's probably something that's going to go wrong and <laughs> when i'm pushing myself to you know you know do something different or try something new that's when we really thrive uh similar like in family life so all right doing the right thing doing the right thing should be hard sometimes it feels good but if it's yeah. truly the right thing especially in relationships it's going to be very very hard that's a that's a good place to to put a bow on that, Jeff. Let's dumb it down a little bit. You got some questions? Now it's time for dumb questions. But I mean, if we're being honest here, pretty much all of Scott and Jeff's questions are dumb. So this one popped up while you were talking about this, Father. You talked about like when people come into confession, and they say how long it's been since their last confession. I, and you were saying, you know, some people, I imagine you have people who walk in and it's been a year, three years, 10 years, 40 years. I remember a beautiful conversation, um, with someone, uh, not too long ago who had been on as an adult had been on a retreat and they said, that was the first time I've gone to confession in 35 years. And it was beautiful. It was amazing. And it was this conversion moment for them. But when you have somebody who comes in and they say, you know, it's been 20 years since my last confession, is it hard to just not be like, let's go <laughs> like to just be so excited. Like, I feel like I would be getting like hyped about that. Just the fact that they had walked in there being such a step. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, you get fired up. No doubt about it. Um, I, the first time I was ever at one of these conferences where you're hearing all of these um, confessions back to back, you know, young, mostly young people, young adults. And it's really exciting because a lot of them it's been since they were in high school or something like that. And I remember just like this, having this particularly powerful confession with, with a penitent and like, 
I mean, like it was just so powerful, like what the Holy Spirit was doing in that moment. And like, you're just like overwhelmed with the emotion and the beauty of it. And then like, boom, someone else is in the chair and like, you're, you're just, and it's a reminder too that the graces of the sacrament are the most important thing, not how I feel, right? That God saying I forgive you is more important than uh, what I, what I can take away from it spiritually. But yeah, I mean, it's, it's always, it's, it's a beautiful thing. And um, it's, you can always tell if someone's been led there by another person because their heart is prepared for it. Like they've done it a good examination. Sometimes you have to walk through an examination of conscience, which is fine. Um, but uh, like when someone has come there because of a relationship, that's when it's really beautiful because they're like any, like, you know, if you're, if you're at odds with the church, if you're in an irregular situation, you go to confession, you're good to go. Um, you know, and so that was, that, that's always beautiful when people have really realized that and they realize the power of the confession. So, you know, sometimes it's they, they go because like, oh, you know, you know, grandma died and she really wanted us to go to confession. And that's it's beautiful nonetheless. But like you really see like, OK, this is going to be something that changes this person's life when it's an extension of a process. that's already been going on with conversion. Yeah. But that's the beauty of the sacrament, too, is that no matter when we need it or where we need it or why we need it, it's there for us. All right. I'm going to get dumber. You ready? Yeah. Father, father, what are your, what are your hobbies? What do you do for, and don't say reading books because anyone who's listening to this podcast knows you read books. I think you've cited five different books just today and I love it. But like, what do you do for like, I say for fun, like books aren't fun, but. Uh, one of my great hobbies is going on podcasts, you know. <laughs> <laughs> How many podcasts have you been on? I don't know, but it's fun. No, give me a count. Give me a, I, give I, me a, I, you know, I don't know. Half a rough a number. 70, 80? I, I have no idea. I love to talk about Jesus, and I'll always take that opportunity to talk with somebody about him and about the and about our ministry here at St. Paul's and just the great the great work that the Lord and the Holy Spirit is doing um, here on you know one of the more secular campuses in the country. So praise God for that. But um, you know, during the warmer months, I what's your favorite podcast to go on? This one. I, there know, it is. Uh, I was going to say, I'm, otherwise, Scott, edit this real fast to say the name yeah. of our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a fun little edit there. Um, yeah, you know, um, I during the warmer months, uh, honestly, my favorite thing to do is to play golf with my dad. He loves – he's a he's a much better golfer than I am. I don't play enough to be that good. But I, we always try to do a little golf trip every summer. And, you know, a couple times, maybe four or five times a year, he'll drive up and – and we'll play golf here in Bloomington. It's a good little day trip for him. And um, I love to do that. It's just, you know, be outside. Um, honestly, I, I'm not a big hobby guy. Um, you know, uh, I, I was just trying to think of a way that we could record a podcast and golf at the same time, but that would be a terrible podcast. Yeah. Well, we, we, yeah, so the only way we could find out is by trying. A lot of, <laughs> I'm willing to take the risk. I'm, Wait, <laughs> I will only do this. I'll only do this if Father Patrick golf's in his habit. Yeah. Well, you know, that's the nice thing about my dad playing a lot of golf and we're about we're pretty much the same height and arm length is that whenever he gets new equipment, I get nice equipment because he gives his, his old stuff to me. Um so but yeah, I like to play golf. I, I really like one of my favorite things in the whole wide world to do is go for long walks by myself with no phone or head just to to be outside, love it, you know, hiking in the woods, those types of things. Um you know, honestly, one of the big things now that I have six nieces and nephews and a seventh soon to be born here next month, God will, or two months, 
um, I love to visit them and just to spend time with them and just to, to be with them. That's like if I have a free hour or so and I know it's not nap time, I'm going to try and call or FaceTime my siblings and their kids just because uh, that's a great opportunity to be with them. So when you say on podcast, do you actually just mean FaceTiming with your nieces and nephews? Yeah, is that, is that just your tricky way of flexing and being yeah. like, oh, yeah, I'm on so many podcasts? <laughs> I don't know. People have asked me to be on podcasts, and I haven't said no to one yet. So, um, you know, ultimately, I mean, that's what, you know, hopefully that's what repentance and conversion leads us to is that we want to joyfully share even our brokenness. One of the greatest compliments I ever received from a student here after she graduated, she sent me this beautiful note, and she said, Father Patrick, you're so clearly broken. And I was like, Okay. And then she wrote this beautiful letter about how like she sees, you know, my weaknesses and she sees all that, but she sees my love for the Lord and that's shining through. And ultimately that's what hopefully conversion does is it doesn't mean we're going to be perfect, but by continuing to go back to the Lord, um, all of those little things in our life become stronger and, and more an expression of his love. My kids are really good at telling me about the things in me that are broken. <laughs> Oh, that's God. all Is I that got. It? That's it? Yeah. I mean, I could go more, but I no. think we're at a good spot here. I think we did it. Uh, right. But that being said, if Father Patrick can go follow us and like us on social media, everyone else should too. All set for Sunday on all set for Sunday. Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Give us some comments. If you want to ask dumb questions, you can put them in there and we will bring your dumb questions to our future guests uh, next week. The very, the most very reverend, most reverend, most reverend, the most reverend. Archbishop Charles. How cool is that? Yes, most reverend Archbishop Charles Thompson of For Word of Church. God Sunday, no less. Oh, all right. Yeah, we knew we oh, knew no, that. No, totally, of course we knew that. All right, that's this Sunday. Oh, oh. well, that's why we got you. Yeah, yeah, that's we went well, very yeah, reverend. I mean, he's he's a wonderful guy, and he's he's a he's a man of the gospel, and uh, just he's frankly a hero for me, just in his perseverance and steadfastness. And I'm sure he doesn't listen. You don't have to say all this. No, I. <laughs> <laughs> what else can I say good about him? I, uh, I, if he does, if he doesn't, that's fine. I, I just I couldn't say any more nice things about that uh, about his just witness to the gospel and his you know commitment to living for something other than himself. I agree. Well, Father Patrick, uh, the Archbishop has actually been on our podcast before. He just, he, it was not by his choice. He <laughs> called one of our guests and uh, while we were on the podcast, he put him on speakerphone. <laughs> you could just hear his voice in the background. So that was how we were able to get him to come on. Is I said, would you like to do it by your own volition this time? <laughs> Thanks for listening to All Set for Sunday. We hope your children behave during Mass this week.